revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. What's up, everybody? This is The Sporting Edge, and today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash The Sporting Edge. There's over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And, you know, thank God I got that this week. I've been doing every other week, but I got to remember the Audible book free trials. Download it. A lot of great books on there if you like to read. I don't like to read that much. It's a reader's much. paradise. It is. You want to Reading go, is good for you, though. It's good for the brain. It's good for the brain. Helps You're supposed with to Alzheimer's do and dementia, actually. Right. So I should do more of it, as should we all. And but. Audible's willing to help you do that. So everyone go out there and sign up for Audible. Don't forget the slash, the sporting slash edge. Slash sporting edge, yep. Um, I think we start to show off today with some Major League Baseball. We yeah, always save it for last. We but, save it for last, but let's put them in the, in the front lane. We're going to look at it first today. I'm pretty excited to talk about baseball today. I am, too. I mean, this is... One of the best parts of the baseball season is right before the trade deadline because you've got your teams that are killing it, doing well, looking for other pieces. You got your teams that are selling, who are doing terrible. Then you got your teams who are in the middle, who people don't know if they're going to be buyers or sellers. So it's it's really interesting because you know, just like a stock market, nobody really knows what's going on. Exactly, and you Darvish is really the headlines of these trades right now. And I'm a little salty at you, Darvish. I mean, I'm on a lot. He doesn't of, want to go to the Cubs. I, I'm on a lot of blue Kool Aid right now, and to keep the Kool Aid flowing, we're just won three or four against the White Sox. Schwarber's looking good. I mean, everybody on this team is playing well, but you, Darvish, put the Cubs on his don't trade list. And you know what? That's fine because his next outing, he gave up 10 earned runs. So, you know what? That's fine. They could ship him to Montreal, who doesn't even have a team anymore. I don't care what they do with him. That you would Darvish, be bad for the Cubs if he went to the Nationals. That's true. But I'm so I'm literally talking about Montreal. Just have him sit there. I mean, there might be still a stadium there. He can go in, probably run is. the team himself. It's a one-man team. I just screw yeah, you, Darvish. But I, I, you know, really I, I agree with the Rangers being sellers right now. I mean, the division is out of the question. They're 18 games behind the Astros, who are... Playing, have been playing absurd baseball the entire year. I mean, them, um, I'd have to give them a second place to the Dodgers. 71-31. On pace to win 112 games. Um, but Clayton Kershaw, four to six weeks, he's out. Is it a big deal? I don't really think so, but... I think it's 
So it's not a big deal because of the lead they have in the right. division, and who cares really about the regular season? He'll be back in time for the postseason. They've really established, and that's themselves. my hope. You know, yeah. like injury, you never know if something you know gets screwed up in the process. He's out another four. Like weeks. a Steve Kerr type thing. Like I, some yeah, fluid I mean, now going to Kershaw's. Any brain, like. any injury, you really never know what the timetable is. I mean, you can give a good estimate, but I mean, Clayton Kershaw is an essential piece to this team. I mean, Alex Wood is having the best year of his career by far. I think he. I think he's still undefeated. I'm not quite sure, but I mean, he's having an unbelievable year. Kenley Jansen is probably the best closer in the game. I think right now. Um, if you said Craig, Craig Kimbrell, I wouldn't disagree, but I think he's one of the best. So consistent, and this lineup is top to bottom filled with guys young and old who are getting it done. I mean, Justin Turner, you look at Cody Bellinger having a, a great year as a young guy. Corey Seager is one of the best shortstops in baseball. Um I think that so to address those maybe worried concerns about the injury with Kershaw is there's a lot of talk about Sonny Gray potentially ending up with the Dodgers here before the trade deadline. I think you add another start in that rotation, which isn't really a weak rotation at the time, but I think they they're looking to add Sonny Gray. I do think Clayton Kershaw comes back. I don't think there will be any malfunctions. Yeah, I, I don't think so either. during the uh, during the injury process for him. I think the Dodgers are a hot team, but the Cubs are the hotter team, and I'm not even worried. I think the postseason will tell. I think the Cubs are ready to roll. I think their pitching has been fantastic. Minus Kool-Aid. Somebody poured some extra shots in that Kool-Aid. Minus a little Jesus. bit of Lackey. I don't know. I get a, I still get pretty frustrated with Lackey, and Koji's having some issues in the bullpen. But I think they're going to straighten everything out, which they've been doing. The Cubs look really good to me right now. They're one and a half games up on the Brewers going into a really crucial series against them this weekend. Hey, they come out with a sweep here. I'm already putting my postseason hat on. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think we need to see some good baseball this week um, from the Cubs. Because like you said, playing a division rival who is... Actually, probably the Cardinals are the division rival. But this year, it's right now it's the Brewers. They're in second place. They're right there. Um, have been playing pretty good all year. I think this team is definitely overachieved. But right now for me... They're on they, a slide, though. They're on a slide. They've won two games in their last ten. When you when you look at their season as a whole, I think they've done well for themselves. But I think the pitching's catching up to them. We'll see. Which we had I talked mean, about. This is the Cubs need to play good against the Brewers this week. Yeah. I hey. mean, if they don't, then I'm I've been sipping the Kool Aid very gently. I I've been chugging. Been, I know you've been chugging it, but I'm a chugger anyways. Like when you know, out if they the don't bar. play, if they don't show up this weekend against Milwaukee, I'm putting my drink down and I'm leaving the bar. Leave Come back bar. another time. <laughs> I mean, the Cubs, I can, getting Quintana, I think, was a huge switch up for this team. Awesome move. He's a great pitcher. Um, but, you know, everybody else has still got to perform. I like what Schwarber's been doing better lately. Um, but everybody else needs to keep it up. I think Rizzo is still the backbone of this team. Absolutely. Um, Him and Bryant. I think Bryant has been hitting consistently. He was ejected for the first time in his career this week. On yeah. A pretty soft ejection. Let me tell you. I've seen... Tons of ejections across the board. I've been ejected from games. That was a pretty <laughs> soft ejection. I mean, Chris Bryant's a very, like, not soft individual, but, like, soft-spoken. soft-spoken. That's the word I was looking for. And unless he threw some major F-bombs out there and called out the umpire's wife or something, that didn't look like a necessary ejection. I mean, I think the ump was just trying to show that he had something in his pants that dangled. I mean, he just tossed a guy who was, again, soft-spoken, walking back to the dugout, and clearly I it mean, was a ball. When you it was absolutely it- a ball. Beyond inside. Well, it doesn't really matter. I mean, whatever the guy calls, he calls. But sometimes I think ejections, if you just see him on TV without any precursors, you know, sometimes guys kind of give the ump shit and give him shit and they give him one more thing and then they toss him. So it doesn't look as bad, but 
Um, that's the way it goes. Really interesting thing I saw Thursday night, the Yankees playing the Rays in a huge division game. The Rays have been playing awesome baseball lately. The Yankees um, have been playing pretty good. They've been playing pretty recently. good, too. Uh, so, huge division game. Bottom of the ninth. Alex Colomay comes on for Tampa Bay. Gives up a leadoff triple to Brett Gardner in a 5-4 game. Gets two outs. Then Gary Sanchez is up, and the infield is shifted. He's a you know big pole hitter. Um, so, they got Tim Beckham. I hate this shift thing. And Danny Hedgevarria. Playing up the middle, like shortstop and right behind second base, Gary Sanchez hits a rollover ground ball that gets right in between them, and they both look at each other, and nobody knew nobody knew what was going on. It was the first time I'd really seen the shift have a colossal failure in a game because guys are so out of position that they don't, you know, that normally that was an easy six three ground ball to shortstop, game over. But because of the shift, both guys, you know, kind of looking at each other, and now it's a five five game in the bottom of the ninth. Brett Gardner wins it in the bottom of the eleventh in a in a huge a huge game. Yankees raise in the division, so one and a half back. Tisk tisk on the shift right now. I always say tisk 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 on the shift, but then I put the tisk tisk back on the batter because why yeah. not just hit it the other direct like yeah. little bunt the other direction? I don't know. Aaron Judge chipped a tooth in that celebration. It wasn't his home run, it was Brett Gardner's, like you mentioned. Aaron Judge no longer the home run leader. It's John Carlos Stanton. And my boy's chasing, though. Bryce Harper, two home runs Thursday night in that eight-home run package of the Nationals against he's the got, Brewers. He's got 27 homers. He's chasing, Stan baby. Stan already is over 30. We love Bryce Harper, but that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge on LibertyTalk.fm, and we will be back right after the break, everybody. Heck at the Sporting Edge, everybody, and we got a big fight tonight. We've become like the Fight Night, fight night. podcast. Yeah. If we UFC, had to change our name. This is the fight before the McGregor fight, which I, I'm actually a little more excited about. I'm more of a UFC buff, um, so I like to see two guys in the UFC fighting. It's going to be um, fun. It'll tonight, be fun. Or Saturday night. Um, and the reason it's going to be fun is because we've got probably two of the biggest rivals in the sport who absolutely hate each other's guts going up in a championship fight tonight in which the champion is a huge underdog. To the contender. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but when you look behind the scenes, it's not as interesting as it seems. The fight is between John Jones and Daniel Cormier. And if you you know, if you tuned in to UFC at all you know, the past three years, you've definitely heard about these two guys. John Jones probably was the best pound for pound fighter in the world at any division before he ran into problems with the law and some legal stuff trouble put up your nose. Yeah. Um, regardless of the fact these two have matched up before uh, and this fight... And a pretty dominating one. A dominating fight. one by John Jones. I think, you know, like I said, he was ranked as the best pound-for-pound fighter in the UFC, regardless of weight class. And, you know, he was a champion. He's lost one time by disqualification. So he's never really been beaten. Daniel Cormier, on the other hand, only has one loss, and that came to John Jones in a fight that Jones basically dominated. These two were scheduled for a rematch. I think it was... About a year ago. It's hard to keep track of the timeline, but... Especially since John Jones constantly is having some legal disputes. He's having so. constant disputes, but almost right before the fight, John Jones, there was a, a some problem with the testing or whatnot. Daniel Cormier said he would sign stuff that said they would fight anyways. Did not end up happening. These guys have been going back and forth for uh, you know the past six months. We've seen... Um, at the fight, the prelim with the mics, a lot of shoving. Um, great video on YouTube. Uh, Daniel Cormier actually pushes John Jones, and there's a huge scrum in this airport. 
and these guys absolutely hate each other. The odds right now are Cormier is minus or plus two ten, John Jones is minus two seventy. So my question for you, Ethan, is who do you think is going to win this fight, and will the big time off for John Jones affect him as much as the experts think it will? I believe so. I think unless his training has been as rigorous and as full speed as it was when he was a constant uh, contributor to the uh, UFC, I think Cormier comes in and the underdogs seem to be taking my vote right now in fighting. And I think Cormier, he looks massive right now compared to the very cut and lean John Jones. Maybe John Jones' workout isn't as tough anymore. So I can see Cormier coming in and defending that title of his and pulling out the W. I think... It's been a while that since we've seen you know John what? Jones, it's so not, maybe my memory is It's lacking. not his title, though. It's a it's, fake title. That's fair. He can, I, I hate Daniel Cormier. I know you honest. do. I think, you know, a lot of people think he's a class stand-up guy, and I'm not going to disagree with that, but I think he's just kind of a whiny little bitch. I always hear him bitching about stuff, and when he finally got the belt, he says, you know, I'm the true champion of the USC life heavyweight division. No, you're not. No, because you lost. You're not until you beat John Jones. I don't care if, you know. But he's been gone. That's know, the, he's, there he's has to be gone. somebody who is a true champion of the time. And I know. now John Jones is back, so maybe he's not so true Cormier, anymore. Cormier, champion with an asterisk on it. Okay. And tonight, Until tonight. Tonight, we will we will see who the true champion is. And I, you know what? John Jones has not fought in a while. He, he has fought once, um, but in that two-year span, he had one fight. It was against, I think his name is Avin St. Prue, some weird name. Pretty average light heavyweight guy, John Jones. Didn't really look like the John Jones of old. But I'm telling you guys, he is going to come into so this. So you're already saying he looked a little, he looked a little off. He did, but you know what? I think he's going to come into this fight. You know, and I don't think he's going to come into this fight and beat the living shit out of Daniel Cormier. There might be some poop on the octagon floor at the end. Which of Which has match. happened. Which is yes, ha- it has happened. A female UFC fight. I, I think. Poop on I think John Jones is the superior fighter, and I know he hasn't been you know fighting consistently. But on the other hand, you look at it, Daniel Cormier, um, the wear and tear on his body the past couple years. And I'm not saying that either of those are going to factor in too much. I don't think they are. But you know, he's been constantly defending and you know fighting while John Jones hasn't been fighting. So you talk about ring rust, you talk about, you know, kind of breaking down a little bit. Two sides of the coin there, but John Jones is the better fighter. The it only was a thing- decision, though, last time. And you say he's coming in and just going to beat... look at how much, I mean... The control was unbelievable. It was favorite. a decision, but it was it was a domination. The only thing that you could argue that Daniel Cormier is better at John Jones at is pure wrestling. And John Jones out-wrestled him in the first match by a mile. Three out of five takedowns to Cormier. Cormier is one for eight. And like you said before, Cormier had about under two minutes of control. John Jones had almost seven. And I agree. And the style of fighting, Jones has more knockouts in his career than Cormier. But I think Cormier is more of a submission style fighter. Cormier is a much more grinded out fighter. And I think, you know, the only way... Looks for the decisions. The only way he can win this fight is if he controls John Jones on the mat wears him out. I mean, he's a big guy. I know they both weigh the same, but, you know, that's a big body. I just don't think it's going to happen. John Jones... I don't think he's going to knock out John Jones. I think... I think that's the least likely of everything. That's but, what I... But you never know. I think a submission would be a shocker to everyone and would be the way... I, I just love... Cormier it. would want to win, but it could come down to a weird decision thing. Well, I mean, oh. if it comes down to a decision, I just hope it's clear that somebody won... Um, not on a Pacquiao horn. No, the that pa- would, MMA, UFC is not boxing. It's not as corrupt. Not well, yet, at Not least. yet. Who knows? But There's a lot John, of money now. 
It is a lot of money. Four point two billion. It was bought for. So but, who um, knows what they're paying I, these guys? John Jones. I re- I really want to see him win this fight. I know a lot of people don't like him because you know the drugs, the legal trouble, just the overall cockiness. But I think he's an awesome fighter, and I, I'm I'm tired of Daniel Cormier. That belt needs to be transferred back to its right. But I got, if he wins, do you respect his belt then? Yes, absolutely. If Cormier wins, I'll respect it because he beat the champion. I know he lost the first time, but came back was the better fighter and beat him. Um, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think John Jones is going to annihilate him in the ring, and I don't care you about. Think the, it's a first round KO. No, I, I mean Cormier is a very good fighter. Second best fighter in the world, the light heavyweight division. But he's not the best, and I think there's a clear difference in tiers. This is really one and two, which makes this fight very right. exciting. But I think they'll forever be linked as you know the first and second best. I don't think Cormier, he's the champion right now, but he's not the best. You're very strong on that. For, I, you say, know what, I for no decision being made yet tonight, if Cormier is to win tonight, how do you not kind of sway the other direction? Well, I have to eat my words. Because he know, would have 20 wins as well. Be- I don't really care about the win. It's more about the, you know, once you get to the championship status and you can you How defend you maintain your, it, defend your belt. Okay. John Jones has never lost the belt. He had to relinquish it. That's fair because he's an idiot. That's that's and I completely agree. They should have. It's that's really weird. I think that's they one had, of those things. To, I mean, I'm not. He was way too long for him to hold on to it because there would have been no defending right. of the title belt. I'm not belt. saying Cormier doesn't deserve to have the belt right now. I just don't think he's the rightful owner. It's like it's like the fantasy movies. He's got the sword, but the power, the magic isn't working for him because he's not the rightful owner. So you think he's Thor. sword? No, you're thinking John, of this Thor. is John Jones' sword. No, you're thinking the Thor's hammer would be the better one. Whatever, whatever it is. Whatever I think fantasy. Unbelievable. I we'll see what happens. I think that no, you we should, will. We know what happens. This is going to be an annihilation. I think then you I'm have gonna, to. I'm going to even bet on John Jones. I never bet oh. on a, a huge favorite like that. What are you going to make pennies? I might make pennies. I'm working man now. I'm making some money. But you have to apologize next week if John Jones loses. I will like two Cormier like, apologies. Kind of like a well written letter, like Cormier. I apologize. I was a big meathead. I was really pulling for. Dude, my I, I can't wait. Fiend. I can't wait to hear John Jones smack the shit out of Cormier and have Cormier bitch after the match about how he lost. Hopefully, he takes. If he were to lose, I would hope he would take it in like a graceful. I manner. think he's gonna cry. Okay, well then. We, you see, we're on opposite sides here. I just wouldn't ever put money on the kind of value that John Jones has. So why not dab, or dabble a little bit with the current champion? But since we have a little bit of time left in this segment, McGregor and McGregor and uh, Floyd Mayweather. I'm seeing a lot of celebrities loving McGregor a little bit, Come, coming around saying, "Oh, I think we're going to bet McGregor." Who was I listening? I was listening to a podcast the other day that was Team McGregor. I know. That's not the case with part of my take. Who had Mike Tyson on that says Floyd's going to knock him out, easy, easy peasy. And there but was again, the youngest heavyweight champion in history. Nobody knows what McGregor's going to actually bring to this thing. I don't either. Although I know more than everybody else I, apparently because I know knows, he's going to win. Nobody knows. A lot of people are hoping <laughs> what they think he'll bring. I and I, I know I, he's going to bring everything he's got, but you which will be you good enough. You don't know what he's got. I don't right. think anybody does. We're going to get back to McGregor and Mayweather later when the fight gets closer. It's August 26th, but that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge at LibertyTalk.fm. Follow us on our social media platforms and reach out to us and have a fantastic day. We'll see you after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. 
bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Lady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics and the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the Bubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubble Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We are back, and as always, we are better than ever. This week, as we prepare ourselves for the fantasy football season, we told you we were going to bring you a position each week. So this week, we are bringing you running backs, a position that is starting to fade a little bit in the life of fantasy with mm, the whole PPR. It could be bringing it, it could back be bouncing back with these pass catching running backs. That's what we're looking for. I mean, Darren Sproles really was one of those spectacular players, one of the best receiving running backs I've seen. But when, like ten years ago, ten years ago, but. And actually, more recently with the Eagles, he was part of that Chip Kelly offense that really worked for him before Chip Kelly really just showed he was a terrible, terrible coach. Anyways, there's a tier of running backs right now. And people are having three running backs in that top tier, and that's Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Ezekiel Elliott, which I don't believe any rookie should be put in the top tier. You're wrong. You're 100% wrong. But we only have one year to judge. But what has changed in Ezekiel Elliott... Throw away that he might be gone for one or two games. What has changed about him, the offense, the offensive line, the system, the scheme that makes you think that he won't have another good year? I don't think that'd be a reason. I don't. Ha- I don't think there's any change in the scheme, offensive line, or Ezekiel Elliott, other than he's immature and maybe that'll catch up to him. I know the suspensions will take care of that, but he's got to also go into camp and perform and be ready to go. And we haven't heard how he's performed in camp because it hasn't happened yet. So maybe he gives a shit about camp. Maybe he goes That's in and he's a camp. meathead. And he just isn't working hard. Uh, who knows? It's your sophomore. You've had one season to base it, his career off of so far. And a lot of players have had that. And I understand the Todd Gurley argument doesn't work super, super well because his year didn't match that of Ezekiel Elliott. But he it did. wasn't even close. He ran for 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's Zeke a good it's a Zeke good had 1,616 touchdowns. 15 touchdowns. Yeah, one, they one definitely receiver. weighed a lot on Ezekiel Elliott there with Dak Prescott also being a rookie quarterback. Now Dak might have a little more rain to throw the ball a little more. and yeah, That might just make Ezekiel Elliott even better. That depends if he becomes a pass-catching running back, which he can do. I don't think he can't, but there is a pass-catching running back out there that really, before we did the show today, just was kind of mind-boggling in terms of how good how, David how Johnson... How outperformed the field was pretty nuts. It's just... It's gnarly because he had over 800 yards receiving. Can you imagine if he had a 1,000-yard receiving year as a running back? And he, he had... He, it's possible. And he had four receiving touchdowns. He had 80 receptions. He was almost at a, he was almost a first-string wide receiver for some teams. Uh, yeah. And then um, that's just at the top of his running... That's top of his rushing total. 16 rushing touchdowns, 1,200 yards. Right. I mean, the verdict wasn't out last year, I think, when draft time came around. People who bid on him and took him early, well, congratulations, you figured it out. I think the verdict's out that you take him early, along the likes of Le'Veon Bell. I think he's a truly tremendous player. You know what? When you look at it in terms of potential and production and the risk, 
I think he's the number one pick. What are the risks? I, I always worry about a risk. And I'm curious what his may be. Is it Carson Palmer potentially a risk? Well, it, uh, yes, I would say absolutely. If Carson Palmer is really not playing well, I mean, that puts a lot more focus on David Johnson is basically the focal point of that team. But Which is the worry with Jordan Howard currently, who's another top, arguably a top five. That is a worry with him, but I think he will do very well this season, just strictly on the amount of times he's going to touch the ball. Um, but getting back to David Johnson, Carson Palmer's been getting old, but he's been getting old for the past 10 years, so I don't really factor that into my argument anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't have to be the Carson Palmer from two years ago where he had an unbelievable season. He can be the same one as last year, very average, and David Johnson can have another tremendous season because he's just too valuable as a pass-catching running back and a guy who, as we saw from his rushing stats, were almost tops in the league as well. I mean, you take out Ezekiel Elliott, nobody rushed for over 1,300 yards. So everybody was in the same pack, and he did have 16 rushing touchdowns, which was second in the league to LeGarrette Blunt's 18. See, but I think it's actually a really good compliment. So if you have the first two picks, it's pretty nice, because Le'Veon Bell, much like David Johnson, has those receiving numbers. I mean, two years ago, he had over 80 receptions and over 800 yards himself. And last year, coming off a suspension, he still managed to get 75 receptions, 616 yards through the air. So... In a league where PPR is becoming more important, I think you have two solid one-two, which sometimes is up in the air. So I would say Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, it's really a toss-up, almost flip a coin. I don't know. Yeah, you're, I, you're a little more sure on things than I am when it comes to that. Well, I'm not so super sure, but when I look at the two of them, I mean, Le'Veon Bell is an unbelievable player, but does have a kind of a scary injury history. So the risk there is the injury. Right. Yeah, no, no suspension so far this year, though. He made it past like that cut of initial drug testing, pa- passing it down to Ezekiel Elliott. You know, Ezekiel, if he's beaten women, he deserves at least sixteen games gone, if not to be removed from the NFL, like Ray Rice and all this other stuff he's doing. He's childish, being at a bar fighting, like yeah, grow up already. It is a bit disconcerting, I think. Um, His risk is: will he be able to stay on the field? Yeah, hopefully, and that's not injury issue. I'm hoping that when the season comes around, it's kind of just all football. But obviously, I mean, you never know what what goes on behind closed doors. But I'm comfortable in saying that the type, the tier one is David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and Ezekiel Elliott. I'll let you keep Elliott there and stop battling you for the time being. But what do we do about that next tier when you're looking at the end of a first round? Definitely second round. You need a running back within the first two rounds. And I think Demarco Murray is the perfect running back for maybe a late first round. Early second round. Kind I of. completely disagree. Derrick Henry. Here's, was, here's I don't think there's going to be a lot of production for Derrick Henry other than in the red zone, which I think Demarco Murray has been one of the better red zone rushing or running backs of all time. And that was a little premature, the all time thing. But of the last couple seasons, he from twenty yards out, he's able to sniff out the end zone. And I think Demarco Murray is going to have just as good of a season as he did last year. Wow, that's that's pretty good. Um, let's see. Last year he rushed for 12. over. About 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, and also had See, 400 And so he was in the top of the rushing game with everybody. I, and yet, on here, I they have him as the ninth. I my argument on why he is a perfect regression candidate. Last year, he was undervalued. Guys who got him, I would say, probably went in the fifth or sixth round, kind of as a nobody Titans, nobody knew he had a couple off years with the Eagles, or he wasn't that great. Now I think he's going to be severely overdrafted. My first thing... Um, I think people think last year's success is automatically going to lead to this year's success, but I see, I see a lot of red flags in his production. I mean, you look as the season went on, 
Um, his target share of carries went down, and I think that continues to be the case. Derrick Henry is, I wouldn't say, a formidable backup. I think he's a guy who could be a starter on a lot of teams. I think he will see a lot of carries. The Alabama running backs, though. I, you know, Alabama running backs you know are like USC quarterbacks Derek, of the NFL. Derrick Henry was the first Alabama running back that I can remember who didn't automatically start on a team right away. That's so Maybe he's going to switch off the mojo a little bit. Um, other things, the Titans brought in Eric Decker. They got Corey Davis. Um, I think that helps, though. When it's no, I think that when it's not concentrated, like with a packed box, you want your team to be able to pass the ball. But get Murray, you to the red zone. Murray is so valuable because he's so versatile on the field. But I think with Mariota and the strengthening of the receiving corps, that he's not going to be as big of a factor. And I also think Derrick Henry's going to cut into his production. You know, Demarco Murray was second in the NFL in percentage of snaps played last year with 81. I see that falling to it. I think he'll play at most seventy percent of the snaps next year. I'd still in a committee backfield era that we're in right now, seventy to thirty. I would take any day of the week because it's it's getting annoying trying to figure out if your running back is going to be on the freaking field. Right. And I think the receiving helps. I would argue that teams that can't pass the ball hurt your running back because you're four and outs all the time. Your defense, who's constantly see on the field there, and your running back's not getting anywhere close to the end zone. Because he's not going to break off more than like two 80-yard touchdown runs in a season when that barely happens anyways. I guess we'll see. But but the Titans have came out and said they're going to increase Derrick Henry's role, so watch out for that. Anybody who's taken him in the first round is severely mistaken. I would say I would avoid DeMarco Murray in the first round. I've really... I'm going to have to bite my pride and probably... What if you had the 10th pick? Would you take him with your second? 10th pick... Take him with your first pick in the second round? No, I, that, maybe. Actually, that's maybe. a good it's a good question. But that might be a little premature, too. I'd hope to maybe get him middle of the second round. But other running backs that are making me curious, they have this... How curious? Pretty curious. I've Let got me tell one you. that. I've got one once you're think. out of the top 10, and even in the top 10, there are some questions. But once you get to 11, 12, and 13, I'm seeing the names Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey, and you Carlos Hyde. Rookie. You got Fournette. Um, McCaffrey, but Fournette's in the Joe top. Joe Mixon's ranked 16th. I know, but jo, but Fournette's in the top 10 currently, I and know. that's he's interesting to me. And I think we're going to have a good conversation about that. But really quickly here, like I'm looking at Gurley, McCaffrey, and Hyde. None of those guys excite me. If I'm stuck in that realm, is Hyde really anything? Especially there's a, a perfect example: San Francisco. There's no offense there. It's only Hyde in some aspects, and they just jam the box. I don't find that to be entertaining. Jared Goff, terrible in L.A. Look at what he did last year. That hurt Gurley's production because they jammed the box. McCaffrey, I, mean, I think McCaffrey's the best of those three because Cam Newton's going to be able to utilize him, make him a versatile player, passing, running, all that stuff. So McCaffrey's the most Jonathan interesting Is Stewart still on the Panthers? He is. Okay. So I wasn't sure. We'll see. We're going to talk more running backs because it's a bigger position than the quarterbacks. A lot more concern there. A lot more risk when we get back. But you heard it here. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to make it interesting. I think Cam Newton's going to have a bounce back year. I said that last week. So we'll be back with more running backs after the break, everybody, and enjoy your day. What's up? What's up? What's up? We are back. I skipped the everybody part of that what's up thing. But we're going to talk more running backs right now because we have some sleeper running backs we want to talk about. Well, we didn't as, even get to the as non-sleepers. Well, as well as the non-sleepers, Xander. Wow. Not even trusting in your host. Well, to get you to give the me a second. Line. Because for you, the listeners of the Sporting Edge podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. 
you know what? I'd really recommend, again, The Hobbit. It was the best book I've gotten so far on it and the only book I've listened to because, like I said... I'd recommend autobiographies of sports individuals who we may or may not talk about on the show. Great book. Walter Payton. Sweetness, the book. Best autobiography I've ever read. But anyways, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash the sporting edge. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash the sporting edge for your free audiobook. Getting better at that. Every you are. Week. I think improving. we sound very fluid when we talk about Audible, but how fluid is Jay Ajayi and Leonard Fournette going to be this year? Ooh, the, the back end of that first question. round conversation, Fournette. From what I hear, it is all go. He's number one. And they have a lot of people there. Fournette worries me for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, he's a rookie. I've never seen him play in the NFL before. They Those do. always get me nervous. But they get me running nervous. backs do perform. They do per- They do perform. But you know what? I haven't completely hung up my hat on TJ Yeldon because I could see if Fournette comes he's out and He's third on the depth chart right now. Who's second? Chris Ivory. Chris my thing is, like, if Fournette struggles a little bit and they start not even doing a committee, they do a tri-committee, oh. that's a nightmare if you took Fournette that early. So I I don't know. And also, the thing that scares me more, though, is Blake Bortles. Is he going to have a shit year? Is he going to have a great year? So at least you're admitting average? you're admitting that you need Blake Bortles to perform. To sit In our argument we were having last segment, that you need a quarterback to needs, make a, a running I mean, he doesn't need to be good. That's he just average. average, right? He can't, move he the ball. can't be the Blake Bortles of last year who was just... That was horrendous because I was hoping for Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles last year. Well, I, I, I think gonna... a lot of people misconstrued his value the year before just because the Jaguars were so bad on defense that there was really no choice but for him to chuck the ball up. And not to say he didn't have a pretty good year, but his, his value was inflated by how bad their team was. But in fantasy, points are points. It doesn't matter how you get them, whether they're in garbage time or not. But the next year, I think a lot of people overdrafted him based on what he did points-wise the last year when you know the game flow for the Jaguars was not nearly the same. Yeah, and I think always with rookies, it is interesting. And that's why I, I typically avoid them. And the only other rookies I'm thinking about right now are Joe Mixon, who I don't think in good conscience I could draft. I know there's a lot going on there with Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard. And then there's also Delvin Cook in Minnesota, who I think is going to take the number one position over Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray's had his time, has had the opportunity to show that he's a He's also one recovering back. from ankle surgery. So Delvin Cook, I think, is going to get an early shot yeah. to run away with this job, and he definitely could. Delvin um, Cook was a player I was hoping the Packers drafted, and they passed on him twice. So you know what? Maybe he shows up in Minnesota and kicks the Packers in a little bit. But knowing my Packers are going to go 16-0 and win the Super Bowl, yeah, I'm not totally concerned. But I think the thing I like about Dalvin Cook is that, you know, he's a great receiving back, and Sam Bradford is the check-down master. The passing it of five yards Le- might set the NFL record. But at the same time, this offensive line is... Horrendous. Yes. I was going to say but average at best, but that's not... Time- it doesn't need to be any better if he doesn't pass the ball... Further than five yards. He, dude, he had the highest completion percentage of all time, passing Aaron Rodgers. I know, but they didn't end up doing well. That's fine. That's But we're talking about fantasy running backs here. I think that really helps Delvin Cook, who is great with the ball in the open field. Right. I think he's an interesting rookie that I would consider drafting I have as a, the first I, rookie running I have back. a sleeper. He's been around the game for so long. He's such a well-known name by now. Bilal Powell. That's your sleeper? That is my sleeper. With Matt Forte still there? Here's why. Oi. 
Powell, very solid receiver. But last year, he showed us that he could be a complete back when Matt Forte was injured. He had 82 carries, 400 rushing yards, 21 reception, 150 rushing yards, three touchdowns during the final four games. Um, and I think there's really no reason for the Jets to feature Matt Forte anymore. I mean, he's old. I don't think there's any reason for the Jets to play on Sunday well, in general. Well, that is, you know, that's opinion. But I, I think, think they, are the wor- they could be up there for the worst team in the NFL. But I think Powell has a chance to break out. Matt Forte might be the starter at the beginning of the year, but Powell has a chance to break out, and I think you could get him at maybe the 10th round. He could end up being a top-10 running back in this league. You know what my favorite award is? And you know what? He could be, Palau. But my favorite award is the Comeback Player of the Year, only because I think Jordy Nelson won it last year. There are two candidates up for that this year. I know. That I think could have immense fantasy value. Can I guess? You can guess. I know one of them is Adrian Peterson. Absolutely. And the other is, is another it a running, is it's it a running, running back. Because that's who we're on today. Um, it is Marshawn Lynch of the Oakland Raiders. Uh, I think Marshawn won. Is going to be the what one. What is there. he ranked right now? Marshawn is. Oh, four, 14, 15. Yeah, around that range. And then Adrian Peterson hasn't played a lot of football. But when he has played a lot of football, 16 games, he's not under 1,200 yards rushing. And I think he's playing 16 games this year. I think Mark Ingram, once again, has had flashes of greatness, flashes of being able to be your one running back. But as all Alabama running backs do, they crumble in the NFL. And Adrian Peterson is unlike any other running back we've seen. His physical specimen, his build, is just better than everybody else I've seen play this game. And I don't think there's anything that's going to slow him down. I'm expecting him to break the 1,000 rushing yard plateau Ten touchdowns as well. Sleeper, take him late. Be laxed on him. Well, I don't where, care. Realistically, where do you think he'll get taken in most drafts? My cojones have, have me taking him maybe fifth round, depending on how. Well, where do you think the average people will take him? Between six and eight. Six and eight. Because I think because you're going to get that those people who kind of bite on Adrian Peterson. They see like that you? big name. And you know what? That could be me, but like they see that big name early on in the draft, and they're like, "Oh my god, oh my god, this is the first time I haven't seen him taken with the first or second pick in the draft." Let me grab him. Like so, yeah. that would that brings the average up a little bit. But I there's something brewing in me that's telling me that these two guys are coming back. Beast mode in Oakland. Adrian Peterson, AP, Mister Dominant, two thousand yard rusher in New Orleans. I don't know why he chose to go there, but who knows? It's going to be great. Drew Brees can really pass the ball, bring it to the red zone. Because in the red zone, you go with AP anyways, because he's a tank, dude. They've also but. You look at their other running backs, Tim Hightower. Tim Hightower's in San Francisco now. Okay. Well, thank you for updating me. There's but a big update. I, Adrian Peterson, obviously, if he rushed for 1,500 yards this year, would I be super surprised? No. Yeah, that's but all. <laughs> there you go, right there. I wouldn't there. be. I just, I don't know with Mark Ingram. You know, he's flashes of greatness. He stinks. He's great. He stinks. Kind of like, for me, Adrian like Adrian Peterson, though. though, never stinks when he plays. But he had the lion's share of the Vikings' backfield for his entire career. Now he goes into a different situation with a guy who has been kind of the on-and-off starter. For That's the only risk I think there is. It's a pretty big risk. How many risks are there at the well, running How many back committee position? backfields are there? So There's a ton. I know, so you got to pick the right one, I guess. I know. Draft I Mark know, Ingram, too. So in case one of them gets hurt, you're good to go. That's a, I hate the handcuff. The handcuff's one of the worst things. Handcuff, I mean, the handcuff with, like, a guy like Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. Yeah. If you want to take a guy late in the draft who's like, you know, 
used to be Spencer Ware for Jamal Charles. Right, but I mean, what are you gonna you gonna waste a pick in you know a crucial round? No, but I think we beat the nail in the horse's head on running backs. Every it's week. back every week. We're almost done with this segment, but I have to rip Kyrie Irving really quick. Him wanting to leave Cleveland. He should leave Cleveland. He shouldn't leave Cleveland. He should get out of there while he can. Who's the best player in the NBA? It's LeBron James. Kevin Durant. No, it is LeBron James. Kevin Durant. And Kyrie Irving, I hope you go to the Knicks because I hope you lose every single game of the rest of your career. You were playing with the greatest player to ever play the game. And in fact, if you want to stay in the East, go right ahead because you will never see an NBA Finals again because LeBron James will keep that streak going. Yeah, he'll be you the most losingest NBA Finals player of all time. There is nobody that will make more NBA Finals than him and has carried, carried teams on his back because he didn't have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Durant, and freaking Green well, he with him. Did. He had great players, but never a freaking all-star team against him. That's all the time we have this week, everybody. Kyrie Irving, enjoy New York. Follow us on all of our social media accounts and everything, and Angry. we'll see you next week. Angry. And we'll have more content, which we didn't do this week. John Jones tonight. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.